Welcome to the second episode of season two of Beer Supervision, uh, the podcast where we talk about the joys of working in mental health over a cold brew. My name is Aaron Rajamani, and I'm here with Jesse for a very special episode, Jesse Richardson. Yes, it is special. It's special for, for a few reasons. <laughs> Why um, is it special, Jesse? Well, um, we're actually recording in the morning. Um, oh, <laughs> and so, so to go with the cold brew today. I have a nice hot cup of coffee because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm struggling. <laughs> um, but it's also it's also a special episode, Aaron, because it's it's about a week week off from Christmas, isn't it? Yeah, it's nearly Christmas. Very exciting. There's yes. a Christmas tree in the background yeah. that, we, that I lovingly decorated. Very proud of. Um, I spent a lot of money on fancy baubles. Mm, yeah, I can um, see that they. They look very fancy. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Some of them are see-through. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. They're artisan. Very cool. Very. Yeah. I'm embracing the Brunswick life. It's good. Yeah. I expect nothing less from you, Aaron. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, I don't think that. Are there any other reasons why this episode's special? I think that was it. Yeah. It's just like Christmas. I'm going to release this like around Christmas. So yeah. yeah. Enjoy the Christmas special. Yes. Um, With a healthy dose of existential dread as we talk about the environment and mental health. Hooray! Yes. (laughs) Very festive. (laughs) Because Christmas was not already a a stressful enough time of the year. Uh, We're going to make it more stressful for you. (laughs) I think think this topic is very exciting. I think it's like the frontier of mental health, in my opinion. Well, that's what, that's the argument I'm going to make mm, in the, this, this episode. The as frontier I've of mental health. As I've learnt about it, I'm like, this is this is the thing that's going to define our field in the near future, I think. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, that's my argument. You can We'll see whether I'm, I convince you or not. By the end of this I'm, I'm interested to hear, <laughs> hear more about that, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. cool. All right. Um... I will tell you a bit more about what exactly that is. Um, I mean, we're talking about um, environmental, um, it, the environment and mental health. And so we're not talking about like, um, like the, there is a concept of mental health in terms of like how the environment affects your mental health mm. and of like, you know, nature versus nurture type debate, which is not really what we're talking about. We're not talking about, oh, how does the person's upbringing, how might that affect their mental state or their, their likelihood of getting a mental illness, et cetera. That's not what we're talking about. We're more talking about like the... Like the how when we walk out the door and down the street, what does it look like? Yeah. What are the what are the things we experience? Um, how does that affect our mental state? But also, how does the broader sense of how we take care of our environment and global warming and all that kind of stuff? How might that I- impact the mental health industry and people's mental health? Um, and things like that. I think there's a lot to talk about, yeah. and so hopefully we'll get through. We'll really just touch the surface, but I think it'll be really interesting. Yeah, it but, sounds like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, before before we do that, Ooh, okay. um, yeah. it's twenty past ten in the morning, um, <laughs> and I think that's as good a time as any to crack a beer, Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> um, what have we got here? We have got morning I, brews. I went. I didn't unfortunately get to the local dance um, mm. last night. Okay, because uh, it was just a little bit out of the way, and I wanted to get home. Um, so I went to BWS instead. Whoa, yeah. that's a bit exotic. Yeah, it is a bit exotic. Yeah. Um, and I got us, um, I was thinking, what sort of a beer do I get to, to bring to Aaron's? And I thought, Aaron's, Aaron's a pretty cultured guy, lives in lives in Brunswick. Um, so I bought the Culture House Berlin <laughs> uh, Weiss beer raspberry flavor. What, what pray tell, is a Weiss beer, Jesse? I, cu- I couldn't tell you. Uh, <laughs> 
What have you brought oh, yeah. into my one, Once again, I was, um, I was uh, the victim of marketing. Um, and was sold by a very simplistic purple can. Oh, it's so purple. Yeah, it's it has quite a really nice. nice house in the front. Yeah, I like yeah. it. It's also raspberry flavored. Mm. How can beer be raspberry flavored? I don't understand. I've had a raspberry beer before. Have you? Um, okay. And I think, look, it's, it's pretty warm outside at the moment, it Aaron. Is. Um, I reckon a, a little bit of a fruity, sour beer might, might do the trick. Mm. Okay. Um, but just on the back here. We've got a beautiful balance between the sweetness of raspberries and the tartness of Berlin Weiss, Weiss? Weiss? Weiss beer. Oh, it's a wheat beer. Yes. Okay, all right, let's give it, let's give it a crack. Let's yeah. A crack. Whoa. That's an explosion. Whoa. I was not expecting that. It's good. Yeah, I mean, I'm about If this is what drinking at 10 a.m. every every mm. uh, every morning is gonna gonna be like, then yeah, we should make it happen. So sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. crack a cold one. Before yeah. work. Maybe while on leave, but not yeah. not when yeah. working. Yeah, we're both joyously on leave as we speak, mm. which is very exciting. Yeah, yeah. For that and it's a Saturday. It is a Saturday. We don't have too. to justify ourselves to anyone. Aaron. No, no. I'll yeah. drink a beer in the morning. It's yeah. about what. <laughs> So let's get um let's get cracking. <laughs> There's okay. a lot to cover. Load me up, Aaron. You okay. went you went away between between sessions. Mm-mm. Yep, yep. And you you said to me, Jesse, I'm I'm gonna learn everything there is possibly to know. I'm going to become the foremost leading <laughs> expert on um, mental health and the environment. If anything, I know less now. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> where, where, ex- explain, I guess, to, to, to me also yeah. and, and to our guests listening, um, I guess what, what, what some of the, the key takeaways were, and then we can maybe expand on, on them a bit further. Okay. Right. Unless you okay. had another way around um, how you wanted to do I, I think it would be good. But I think it would be good to start with, like, what, off the top of your head, without me giving you anything, what is your, like, what is your impression of, like, the concept of environment, green, mental health, that kind of stuff? Do you have an understanding of it? Did it come up in your degree? Um, um, I know it come up a bit in my degree, and I'll talk about that it's, as well. It's not a topic that I guess we covered really in... Um, in my degree, so it's mm. not it's not something I have any any exposure to. However, we're just just hearing the word environment and mental health. I think um, I, I go straight to uh, ex- the existential crisis that um, <laughs> that the globe is currently facing around, yeah, sure. around global warming, and then uh, you know the mental health impacts that that might have on uh, you know, the current generations and and generations upcoming. But as you were kind of explaining at the start of this, it sounds like there's a bit more to it. Yeah, is it? Yeah, we've been like um, kind of trading a couple of books on climate change recently. Mm. Oh, like um, we the um, the recent one by Bill Gates on how to yes. climate crisis. Yeah, I believe you got me that for my birthday. Oh, Aaron. I did too. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. so nice of you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, a bit of existential dread for your birthday. I think. Yeah, long way. Yes. Yeah. As, um, as I approach thirty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's 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 a great view from the top, Jesse. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, and in, in my degree, we didn't really, like, I think it was briefly touched on in social work, but not really discussed as, like, a clear topic that I can remember. Maybe it was an elective um, that I didn't take. Um, but I know there were definitely students within the degree who are 
passionate about the concept of environment and social work being mm. in combination. Not very many, like a very small one, maybe like two or three or something. Um, and my perception at the time was, that's a weird combination. Why would you combine, combine environmentalism with doing like human services work? Like it doesn't mm. really, like it doesn't really make, a, it didn't really make a lot of sense to me. Like, why would you like, you're going out advocating for like, stopping deforestation and then going and working in child protection. I mean, like, how does that, how does that fit together? Like, mm. so, um, and so I kind of like probably dismissed it, I suppose, out of hand. Like I didn't really like, Oh, whatever, you know, um, they're just passionate about both things. That's fine, I guess. Um, but, and, but I feel like what in reading more about it and kind of hearing more about it in kind of relatively recent times, I realized a lot, it, they're a lot more intrinsically linked than I, I would have thought. Um, and perhaps those people are kind of like ahead of the curve a bit potentially. Mm. Cause I, I, I know, I don't know about psychology, um, but in social work, there's definitely like trends with a degree about like what areas like popular that people want to get into. Like I know when I was in social work, it was refugees, um, was everyone wanted to get a placement with like a refugee organization. Mm. I think it was like the peak of Abbott and like stop the boats and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it was definitely on a lot of people's minds. Um, my friend recently told me that, not super recently, but like recently, recently, like that, like working in clinical work in hospitals is very popular and a lot of social, de- social work degrees at the moment. Mm. Um, so definitely like trends. Um, and I wonder if like, yeah, this is, if not already, cause I don't know what's happening exactly right now, but if not already, at least in the future, something that mm. I think will be a big deal. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's a pretty relevant topic given, I guess the, the topic of, um, but you know, political conversations and stuff like that more more recently as well. Um, mm, yeah, around around the environment and how we um how we maybe make make better use of the space that we have on on this planet. <laughs> yeah, it's also a bit, it's uh, I'll talk about this later. But it's also like um at like this very moment um in on in early December of twenty twenty one um the co like the Australian the coalition government is suddenly very open to talking about climate change in general you can we'll we'll leave it to you as to why why that might be maybe it's you know political reasons or maybe they're suddenly more open to working on climate change than they were before whatever but suddenly because the government is more open to discussing it there's a lot more talk in the sector about it Mm. because there's a lot like okay there's an open space for us to actually start advocating for this stuff and not They'll be worried about what the governmental reaction might be, mm. uh, which I think is really interesting. And I think why, you know, this is a good time to start talking about it and start really thinking about what we can do. Yeah. Um, so in terms of like green social work, I thought it was an interesting point for me to start at. It's like green social workers typically focus on the environmental, imp- environmental impacts on people. So mm. it might like obvious examples would be like, how natural disasters affect people. Um, that's how the environment is going to have a big impact on how people function in their daily lives mm. in, a, in a massive way. And so how um, build resilience in communities or how we support communities in the wake of a disaster and things, um, environmental disasters. And so that might be big disaster, like a, like a, like a, a big disaster, like a cyclone or something like that. Mm. Or it might be a disaster like, um, like Bush, a drought bushfires or a bushfire yeah yes. absolutely yeah yeah 100 yeah. um and so they, but, but they also like focus on other things like for example like good agricultural practices mm. you wouldn't think of that as like a social work type thing um but i guess 
working with a community in order to develop good um, agricultural practices, developing food security, things like that, are things that people under the umbrella of green social work would work on and working on good social policies and education to to be responsibly manage um, environments and prepare mm. for disasters. Um, yeah, and I think that's like a good kind of entry point to think about, well, how do... Like, I think it's something that maybe it's hard for us to conceptualize sometime in the West is how we are related to the environment. Mm. Um, and obviously, natural disasters, I think, are a really easy way to be like, oh, okay, that is a way in which the environment affects me. Um, and so it's, it's a good entry point, but I think there's mm. a lot more layers underneath that in terms of how the environment um, affects us on a day-to-day basis and then ultimately affects our mental health. Mm. Um, and so that's kind of how we're going to begin and start digging through it. Okay. Um, that's, yeah. It seems like just just kind of like hearing you talk about that right now, Aaron. It's it's um a lot a lot of room for scope. Um, a lot of yeah, this is really wide um range of of uh, I guess areas that you could you could apply green green social work into. Mm, but I think I think it's um it's kind of like that with with broader environmental issues. Um, yeah, in in general. I think um, the environment and our relationship with it is so um, entwined with every aspect of our life, and um, and I think it yeah it's just um, really by definition quite a quite a broad space, isn't it? Yeah, mm. um, yeah. I, I um, like another thing that I hadn't even considered until like a friend told me they were like working on something like this is um, they're working on how to support like and providing pathways for people who are losing their jobs or communities that are losing work due to transitioning away from fossil fuels mm. and then transitioning um, helping them tr- retrade in different roles or finding new work mm. that's another space that would come under the kind of umbrella of green social work and a lot of like mm. yeah yeah which i think is a really important thing as well mm. i think um you know, we definitely need to be looking at at that, at how we can, um, you know, support people as we as we transition um, to to more renewable forms of energy. Because there's a lot of people out there whose livelihoods kind of rely on on um, uh, you know energy forms or or stuff like that that um, has has a negative impact on the environment. So. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, and we'll, we'll talk a bit about like. Well, we won't really cover too much about the details of climate change itself. Mm. We're kind of taking it as a given that you have a general understanding that climate change is a result of man-made CO2 mm. um, and that it's changing the way our weather works um, over the long term because it's rising the overall temperature of the planet. Um, like, I'm definitely going to link a whole bunch of resources and things that I've um, looked at um, to research this mm. in the description so you can have a look if you're interested. Um, but yeah. Definitely going to take it as a given that this is happening and this is something we really need to address in the near future. Um, Jeez, that's, you've changed your tune from about a week ago, Aaron. Wait, you, were, you were a staunch climate denier. <laughs> yeah. You were. Look outside, <laughs> Jesse. It's this, gold. This is a bigger, bigger backflip than the, uh, than the Murdoch, Murdoch Media's backflip on climate change, Aaron. <laughs> How dare you. <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, I think another good way maybe to think about our connection with environment from the perspective of a mental health worker is I think often when we're doing kind of like the basic kind of psychoeducation type work with um, people, at least I do, we talk about things you can do in general that are going to improve your mental states. It might, might be like eating 
healthier food. Um, it might be, you know, choose like getting, you know, a regular sleep routine. Another one is often getting outside, going for a walk, spending time, you know, outside of a single space and kind of going into different environments and like, you know, getting some exercise, that kind of thing. But I think um, something that I have noticed is that the effectiveness of, of that advice is highly dependent on the environment outside of the home that is available to the person you're speaking to. Mm, mm. Um, so if, if that person lives in like a pretty rural area, going for a walk out, you know, in like a, a nice green area, it's like, okay, great. Yeah, I can, I can do that. Or if a person lives in a place that has nice parks or nice green spaces, it's like, okay, yeah, you can do that. Person lives in like really concrete urban sprawl. Mm. It's like going for a walk is just kind of maybe even more anxiety inducing than it really is. Yeah. yeah <laughs> beneficial, like, really. You're getting all of that sort of like sensory overload when you, mm. when you go for like a walk in, say like the CBD. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, or even it's just like not very like aesthetically pleasing yeah. it can be mm. less helpful um yeah so i think that's another way to think about how the environment might affect your mental health on just like a, on like a day-to-day basis when you're walking yeah. in and out of your house when you go, yeah. going to work mm. um the kind of, like i know when i go to work now at the moment i work in parkville which is like of like near the center city but it's very nice and green mm. and walking into that every day riding my bike to that every day really kind of like preps me for the day ahead i really mm. feel really like Oh, okay, yeah, this is this is nice. I'm enjoying my time, ready to like go into work. Mm. Whereas that would be very different if I was working like in just like an like a kind of gray office building in the middle of a bunch of other gray office buildings. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I see. I see your point there in in talking about how um, kind of like, kind of like that immediate sort of um, environment around us and um, how that impacts on on our overall um, mental health and well being. It's like yeah, if, if things are like you know really quite bland and there's nothing really aesthetically pleasing about the space around you, then um, you know that that over time is going to kind of chip away at your um, your overall sense of well being, isn't it? Yeah, I think yeah, I think our relationship to our physical environment and how that. Is, has a really big impact on mental health. And there's a whole bunch of research mm. that backs that up. Um, I was looking at a bunch of studies about how um, when this, a study found that like regular time spent in natural environments, so like think of it as like a park, for example, mm. um, contributes to a massive like increase in a whole different, um, a wide range of mental health outcomes. Mm. Um, and... In fact, there's a lot of, actually, there's been a lot of studies about this recently because of COVID. Because obviously, mm. like, all the people trapped in their house. Mm. And in order to take a break, I mean, I don't know if you have, but I've definitely, I'm going to go for a walk to a park. Mm. Like, that's experience of a lot of people, I think, in Australia yeah. at the moment. Yeah. And a very tangible experience of, oh, walking outside, going to a park, my mental health improves. Mm. Um, if I didn't have that, that would be very difficult. Yeah. 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 It's interesting, like, because um, I guess we can, you can go so large scale with the environment or you can even rein it into like a very um tiny sort of like specific Mm. space like um as you were kind of talking about that i was kind of thinking about like you know obviously we're talking about like um um kind of natural environments but then also just environments in general like Mm. um yeah one of the things that i think really um has, has resonated with me in the past is, is this idea of making like your, the environment in your home and within that space around you, a, mm. a place that is 
aesthetically yeah. pleasing for you or at least like having a single space in your in your house or wherever you live that is like a room that is like something that you've designed to be just kind of like aesthetically pleasing for you. Interesting. Um, what about that? And like, yeah. you know, all, all, all the you know, mm. people who I guess um, do self-help sort of, sort of work. One of the, one of the main things I'll talk about is like, you know, first, first things first, clean up, clean up your room. <laughs> and, but it, it, it kind of, it, it kind of like it yeah. speaks to that, that sense of it's like the environment that you kind of are in it, yeah. it it has that impact on your yeah, um, yeah. your well being and mental yeah. health, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm. Yeah, um, bloody just just having a look around this um this lounge room slash kitchen situation you got going on here, Aaron. Are you judging my aesthetics? No, it's just about to say you must be um you must be the peak peak mental health right oh, now. Oh wow, well, good, thank yeah. you. All right, that yeah. took a different turn. <laughs> it took a different turn the moment you called me out. <laughs> I was I was gonna, <laughs> it's gonna absolutely like destroy you, but. <laughs> No. <laughs> uh, yeah. So interestingly, um, the, uh, interesting, really interesting study found that having the frequency of green space use, having just like a green space that's visible outside your window or reasonably close to your home is um, results in increased self-esteem, life satisfaction, subjective happiness, decreased levels of depression, anxiety, and loneliness. Like that's wild, right? That's huge. Isn't that like yeah. isn't that mind blowing? Yeah. That, like that's how much, um, like, th- and that really makes you think about how we should think about, um, this, this study calls it nature based solutions to improving mm. public health. Mm. Um, which I think is really interesting. Um, it also, there's also another interesting one where it talked about how when someone moved from a greener, uh, um, from a, a greener urban area to a less green area, they had a massive, quite a quick drop in their mental health. It stabilized again over time, but in that kind of period of about a year or so, the mental health was significantly worse than it was before. Going the other way, um, there's actually quite a significant improvement, and that improvement is sustained, so it doesn't drop off. It actually continues on. Oh, hey. that's that's interesting. I I mean, I feel like it it's it seems so blatantly obvious. Yeah, like but then you hear it and you're like. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, people like to go, like, you know, going for a country change yeah. for their for their health or whatever yeah. their mental health, and it's like you know, just kind of popular wisdom. I put it, but when you put it like starkly with numbers, mm. it's like, okay, this is something we should really like mm. be actively working on, not just you know, re- let it remain in the area of common knowledge. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, like again, like another thing to reinforce that is like um with young ch- uh, with children, adolescents, um. Obviously, there's a lot of talk about screen time and what do we do about young people having lots of screen time? And does that have like a detrimental effect on their mental health? How how much time they spend? Um, recent a recent study um, that admittedly said it was not completely conclusive, but kind of indicated that um, use of what they called green time, which I think is a bit green time, beautiful, super cheesy, but like, um, but like spending time in um, nature can um, has a kind of balancing effect in a way of mm. um, balancing the like because obviously young people are intrinsically connected to their social worlds through screens, mm. and so to just pull that away is gonna have its own costs, um, but. They're arguing that perhaps a balance of um, access to open spaces and nature and things like that can kind of balance those kind of psychological effects. Yeah. Which is interesting. Um, 
very, very early days for that. So no, don't take so my I'm, word for it. I'm, but, taking, you know. I'm taking the term <laughs> green time and I'm going to, every single client that I work with from now on, is just going to be the first thing I bring oh, up. No. Sorry. Okay, green time. Let's go. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, and it's not about like, and I think thinking even more broadly about that, it's not just about, you know, like, oh, we need to drop up 10 more parks in every suburb. Um, which I mean, won't be necessarily a bad thing, but like, um, it's about, um, the way in which we design our environments to integrate the natural environment into the way we use Mm. them. So we don't have to like, be like, all right, now it's time for green time. Let's go to the park. It's like, I'm walking to work. I naturally walk through a lot of green spaces and that improves my mental health. Mm. Um, so like a lot of incidental, just green time. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it should be like a, a something that ideally is a part of the way the city is designed in order yeah. to like, um, yeah, for that to be a, a, a wanted part of the way we use the city yeah. as opposed to an optional recreational activity. Mm. Oh, very good. No, yeah. I think um, I was just kind of thinking now, this is just a little, a little bit off topic. Um, I'm not sure some of my clients would um, interpret me saying, hey, let's let's um in- increase our green time <laughs> as being, being what I'd, I'd intend it um, so maybe we might have to rethink that one um not green time maybe a bit of nature time that's maybe a bit more <laughs> more specific <laughs> that's very naughty jesse it is yeah <laughs> Should we, shouldn't we be talking about drugs on the podcast oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i didn't even not even considered it's <laughs> very funny um, but, um please continue yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah and so like this kind of stuff um is obviously beneficial for everyone um but it's also um i guess i also like found that it's particularly helpful for like the more fun like and this is the case for virtually everything we're talking about here the more vulnerable a group is, the more beneficial this kind of stuff mm. is and the more effect it has on them both ways. Um, so whether it's like elderly or um, young people or um, refugees or migrants or people with mental health disorders, especially, right? Mm. Um, the, the better or worse their physical and the physical environments and infrastructure and weather and things like that, the more benefit they're going to have, but also the worse they're going to be if it's not there. Um, one, because it like one, because um, I think because of the, the, it's kind of like a buffer. It's like, you, if you're, if you've got a lot of resources and a lot of supports, then, you know, some bad, like something bad happening is going to have less of an impact mm. because you're able to like sustain that sh- period of difficult times with the kind of, um, I guess emotional resilience that you've been able to build up because of the resources that you have. Yeah. But if, if you're on a thin edge, any small change is going to have a big impact as to yeah, whether you're able to cope or not. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so this is, yeah. So def- So I think this is the reason why this kind of stuff, I think, is really important for when we're thinking about the mental health sector is it's like small changes in the way in which we think about our physical environments or the way our environment is, is going to have a big impact on the cohort that we work with. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, other things like so many random stuff, like it's like, just like the level of pollution in general, they've 
found a high correlation between the level of pollution and the likelihood of developing a mental illness in a, in a place, in like a, mm. in a city. Um, and obviously, um, it's so green spaces reduced the, like that. Yeah. yeah. I wonder, did, and, and you might not have, I guess, found anything on this and, and it might be that there just simply isn't, um, really anything out there on it. But, um, you mentioned that, um, I guess the quality of, of those spaces, mm. um, you know, has, has a pretty significant impact on, on mental health as well. Yeah. Is there any, I guess, correlation mm. between the SES of an area and the quality of upkeep that those like green spaces get, um, Oh, that is an interesting question. Be, because I, I, I just kind of wonder... SES for, yeah. for listeners means socioeconomic yeah, status. Yeah, so I, I guess I just wonder if there is like, you know, as you as you get into some of those more affluent areas, if um, if the quality of those green spaces um, and, and green time um, is is increased, um, re- yeah, relative to lower SES areas. I mean, I, those, that's definitely, I mean, my kind of subjective observation is that is yeah, the case. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's I mean, because like thinking, but richer councils can afford to put in more mm. effort into uh, making their environments pleasing to the people who live there because mm. they can have higher but taxes, etc. It's so interesting because you were talking about like, you know, um, people who are at risk or like, you know, vulnerable, marginalized um, populations, mm. where do they tend to to reside more mm. often than not? Yeah. And it's like, it's almost like that just perpetuating um, cycle. But yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. maybe a bit off topic. No, um, no, that's, 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 that's mm. very relevant. Because, um, yeah, um, they're off like, in, not only what's provided but also what's taken away mm. um in terms of things like loss of um biomass like deforestation um and things like that have a huge impact on let's say like indigenous mm. populations for example mm. um where that kind of it's called like a um what's a term for it? it's like uh i've forgotten the term there's so many terms a lot of it um there's a lot of a lot of terms that are kind of being coined as we speak oh this one's called biospheric concern Okay. Um, is like when, um, yeah, a loss of the the physical environment, the natural environment around you, can cause mental health problems because you're yeah. like dis- obvi- kind of very obvious distress from losing mm. the way in which you've been living this whole time. You loss mm. of like your own like heritage. And, yeah, and that's um, I think that's so environment um, clearly observed within indigenous populations, isn't it? Yeah, and it's also mm. also not ju- and also not just for indigenous populations. Like a lot of like rural communities really yeah. get affected by this. Yeah. Um, not only like a lot of the a lot of the research about this stuff in terms of um, loss of environment is very f- in rural areas is very focused on farmers, which mm. is great. There's, and there's a lot of research about um, how um, yeah, like drought or changing temperatures or deforestation things like that affect um, yeah, like agriculture, animal grazing, mining, mm. whatnot, um, and then affect people's livelihoods, people's ability to provide to the families but also people's experience of what their life has been up to this point mm. um like it's very connected with what i see around me and like the the way things are that's um research i was reading is that's that's very much so in rural communities not a lot of research about how changing environments affect rural communities in general outside of farming but what there is really talks about how people are like 
use the language of this is the way things are. This is how I like them. This is, you know, this is my world. And then when things change, it causes a lot of anxiety. Yeah. Because it's, it's really like, this is outside of my control. I can't really, yeah. I, can't, I can't control how my, the life that I want is changing around me because of the, the way the environment is changing. Mm. Um, yeah. So, and obviously people in rural communities are fo- have less, um, access to services and resources and so are therefore more vulnerable as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it's a good transition to start talking about climate change and how this kind of plays into all of this. But before we do, how are you feeling about this sour wheat beer? I'm into it. Mm. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm, I'm vibing it. Um, Mm. Yeah, no, it's, um, I, I like the, I like the can. I like the taste. Um, I feel like it's a bit refreshing in um, you know on a nice uh, warm summer's morning. Um, <laughs> summer's morning, yeah, yeah. Look, I, um, it's good. Yeah, yeah, I I enjoy drinking at this time in the morning. I think. Um, <laughs> Do it from from now on. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I, I don't think it's going to become a, like a staple to my to my routine, but. <laughs> Maybe just every now and then I might just uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Crap, crack open a nice culture house. Yeah. Yeah. Get some culture into me. Yeah. I'll, I'll give more thoughts at the end. But mm. yeah, look, generally positive. Mm. Generally positive. Not usually a big fan of sour beers, but I'm um, sour drinks in general. But actually, that's not true. I like whiskey sours. So you love a good whiskey sour. I do like a good whiskey sour. So I've just liked everyone. Uh, yeah. I don't know, Aaron. I, I, I find it quite... Um, Interesting to hear that you're not the biggest fan of, of sour drinks or, mm. or sour things, just, you know, given I, I'd have thought they'd have complimented your personality quite nicely. <laughs> I will not dignify that with a response, Jesse. This is a place just of kidding. good mental health and yes. healing. For everyone out there who is who is listening to this, Aaron is like the least sour person on the planet. Because so... Uh, he's he's delightful. <laughs> if anything, I am projecting. I'm really, I'm really feeling quite distressed by my environment right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Okay. Um, cool. Um, so, <laughs> climate change and mental health. This could be a podcast in and of itself, and maybe it should be. Mm. Um, but uh, I guess. In a general overview sense, um, there's a lot of research to suggest that a lot of mental health disorders are exacerbated or caused or or affected by um, changing of climate. Um, So there have been a lot of kind of recent terms that have kind of kind of cropped up like I talked about the kind of try to define what this is because it's so complex because like you can go from like the effect of a natural disaster to the effect of losing environments like we talked about to mm. the anxiety of what's going to happen like is my government going to do enough to protect yeah. me in the way that I my family is when whatever happens happens it's so, like lots of terms like you might hear like eco anxiety or eco guilt um, eco, ecological grief is another one. Um, we talked about biospheric concern. Um, interesting one that we'll talk about later is also eco psychology, which Ooh. you might find interesting. <laughs> yes. 
Uh, that's 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 an emerging field. Maybe you need to get onto it, Jesse. Okay. <laughs> get on the yeah. curve. Yeah. Um, but like, obviously, like the most overt examples of how climate change affects our mental health is in the form of extreme weather. Um, so we mentioned, you know, bushfires, floods, cyclones, drought, heat waves. Um, there's a lot of evidence that suggests that climate change increases the severity and potentially the frequency as well of those mm. events. Um, but certainly the severity. I think we've seen very clear examples of that in Australia with um, the bushfires and with cyclones and things mm. like that. Um, but yeah, it's that is... Um, it's hard to like get like the this is the data that shows that climate change specifically caused this thing um but in the kind of a general trends of how things are going and how it relates and things that are well beyond my pay grade <laughs> there is a clear connection that this is what's happening um and so often these events the mental health consequences are things you might expect like ptsd depression anxiety um, substance misuse increase in suicidal thoughts um and so i guess um it's interesting um i was at um i was working in gippsland you were you were working in gippsland during the um was the bushfires the, yeah black summer is that what yeah is that what i'm not sure what they end up calling it um the one where um the most recent yeah, yeah the most recent bushfires yeah. in gippsland um yeah, i'm not sure what the term was for it but yeah it was yeah that was that was, I mean, like, I wasn't, like, in a way, I was directly impacted it, but also, like, I mean, my house was never in, like, danger of burning mm. down. Um, certainly affected my ability to do my job, because, like, sometimes you, you'd go to see a client, like, oh, we can't go to see that client in that area because there's, like, a bushfire in between us yeah. and them, uh, which, is, mm. which is something. Um, and certainly a lot of my coworkers were going out to more remote areas to relieve other staff or to, like, go out to, like, places that were cut off by the bushfire, mm. like in Malakuta. Um, so that kind of thing, um, certainly, you know, a very direct, very obvious impact on how it's mm. going to affect people's mental health and also the mental health sector in general, mm. the, like yeah, the level of strain of, you know, um, our service having to be like, okay, now we have to, you know, coordinate efforts for, um, health in regard to a bushfire. That's, that's a big strain on, um, a service and for yeah. that to become more severe and more intense. Yeah. And I think, um, one, one thing that, um, I guess I noticed, um, during that time was it's, it's like, you, you know, we weren't necessarily directly in the, the, um, were you going to say line of fire? I was going to say line of fire. <laughs> and then I thought, Jesse, that's a, that's a terrible <laughs> use of words there. Um, I guess we weren't, um, really close to the fires. Uh, yeah, we weren't far away. Yeah, but, um, Trailgun itself wasn't on fire. Yeah, 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 but there was for for a few weeks there. There was just it was just smoke. Yeah, and so even though it wasn't something that um, I guess we were directly impacted by, there was just that this looming sense of dread. Um, I, I guess at least like I was noting that like, oh, sure, right now I guess I'm safe, but. Like you know, just mm. a, just down the road, essentially, or like you know, a, a hundred yeah, kilometers yeah, down the road. True. Yeah, people's people's livelihoods are being destroyed, and it's yeah. like the smoke is is like that representation of that. And it's like mm. this is this is a really tricky thing to have to have to deal with. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. And well, I had to like I wanted to go down. <laughs> I wanted to go to 
see my parents in Melbourne, but like the freeway was closed because yeah. of the fire. And so like they were directing us in this like giant, massive roundabout all around, all the mm. way around the fire through mm. like country roads and stuff like that. Mm. <laughs> you could see the fire in the yeah. distance. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like it's not something that I would have expected to like experience in my lifetime, but yeah, it's, um, it's something that is likely to become worse as a result of climate change if we don't act and mm. do something significant about it. Mm. Um, but yeah, um, beyond those kind of extreme weather events, also, I guess, weather events that are less kind of like headline grabbing, but also significant, like heat waves, um, people with mental health, um, mental illness are three times more likely to die as a result of a heat wave than people who don't have a mental illness. Really? Yeah. Um, the heat stress uh, is associated with... Um, causing it creating mood disorders anxiety um, as well as like other so is that um is that more so like uh like death death by like suicide or it's 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 very complicated Um, like there's there's so many kind of interweaving factors that might cause Mm. it in terms of like lack of resources or like the heat itself or yeah like you said like um increased um severity of the mental illness itself so yeah there's like it's it's super complicated so i, I and i didn't really understand it well enough to give you like a very clear answer about that to be honest yes. no that's okay yeah. i think um that's that's fine um, yeah. um yeah, okay. and yeah and also like like flow and effects so like i think like like you talk about air quality um sense of security housing spread of infectious disease um all of that kind of like I said, it's it's this is very complicated and messy, but all of that kind of ends up factoring into the disease burden of mental health in the mm. community. Um, yeah, so social and emotional well being things. So yeah, um, yeah. So that's a that's a big thing. Um, and also like even in, in a, a further layer into that is like um, the economic impacts of that and how that affects mental health. It's kind of like a there's a, a study in Europe of how like um, how climate change and like changing in temperatures then causes people security in like economic security to be affected, which then inc- makes their mental health worse, which then affects their economic capacity. And it's kind of like a spiraling mm. um, problem. Um, and that study again was doing crazy statistical analysis, which I will never understand, but it seemed pretty credible. <laughs> 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 yeah. And so that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So, so in general, Climate change like affects my PTSD, um, like uh, for like um, changing temperatures and stuff like um, uh, so status depression, um, disorganized thinking and behavior, um, mm. numbing or avoidance, poor concentration, behavioral problems. Um, yeah. So and yeah, obviously um, children much very disproportionately affected as well. Um, like our children affected by the bushfires. Um, showed obviously PTSD, anxiety disorders, panic attacks, problem sleeping, yeah. distress, flashbacks, um, even even increase in psychotic disorders. Interestingly, hmm. yeah. Hmm. Um, so, I guess, and I guess um, I mean, I know um, we talked about a lot about rural communities because I think a lot of the research suggests that rural communities will be the most affected by this. So a lot of the research is about rural communities, not only in terms of like their vulnerability because um, of like water security being inherently tied to like farming ways of life, um, but also 
um, that sense of attachment to place and that loss of place, mm. like I was talking about, is going to be a big deal. Um, but all of that can feel a little bit abstract, I think, because it's all feels maybe like unless you're directly experiencing it, it it can feel a, a little like I, I don't feel the direct. It, it's hard to conceptualize what the direct effects of climate change are on me. Mm. But interestingly, um, as a study was um, studying like um, what people are stressed about during COVID, because obviously COVID's a big deal. People are people's like we kind of really understand now that COVID and lockdowns and stuff have had an impact on people's mental health in a significant way. I think as a mental health sector, we kind of pretty universally, intuitively understand that is a thing that yeah. we recognize. I think for most mental clinicians, that's something we're asking about and considering when we're working with um, the people that we work with. But for a study found that most Australians, even at the peak of COVID like infection rates, their concern about climate change and their anxiety caused by climate change um, was reported as three times higher than COVID mm. at any period of time. Mm. That's interesting. That is interesting. And that's across age, gender, and geographic location. Mm. All, all of those areas, their concern about climate change was higher than their concern about COVID. And their anxiety, mm. uh, so not just their concern, but like their like kind of stress caused by it is mm. higher because of climate change, which is very interesting, I thought. Mm. Um, I think particularly interesting because of, I guess, I think, how connected w we are as a sector to the impacts of COVID and lockdowns and debates about, you know, will, will if we lock down a bit more, what's, what's the impact on mental health and is that worth the... And I think some of those arguments are maybe done in bad faith, for sure, yeah. in politics. But also there is, there is reasonable, like, good faith arguments to think about, you know, these complex things about how we deal with COVID and how it's going to affect the community's mental health. It is interesting that from this, that potentially the stress and anxiety caused by action or inaction in terms of climate change um, has a pretty tangible mental health cost as well one that we're perhaps not really thinking about as concretely and, and as an immediate concern as we maybe we should be. Mm. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. I mean, I, I certainly haven't asked um, people in like when in my sessions, hey, so how is the existential dread of the oncoming climate crisis affect your mental health? <laughs> it's not a question yeah. I've ever asked anyone. It's, a, it's like <laughs> they come to you for one problem and you remind them of, of one <laughs> One other completely um, uh, over overwhelming problem um, as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's yeah. It again, it's called like biospheric concern is mm. the kind of um, general or eco anxiety are the kind of buzzwords for that at the moment, um, and it's still a very emerging field. Um, but yeah, things are like Jack has daily concerns about how that how someone's everyday life might change due to climate change, um, loss of autonomy or control. Um, yeah. And I guess concerns about the occurrence of natural disasters, um, unusual weather, things like that. Um, yeah, it's, it is apparently having a quite a big impact on people's mental state, mm. um, more than perhaps we realize. Um, and so, yeah, I guess, we, I guess, reckon with 
what we do with that. Um, yeah. It's it's tough, I think, how... I don't think there's a clear answer on, on what we what we do with that when we when we see, I guess, the impact that um, yeah, climate change is, is having on people's mental health. Uh, I mean, how do you how do you resolve that without basically getting everybody on board to solve this problem? Well, maybe that is the solution. Like, and, and that's something that's something I'm coming to. Mm. Um, but I but to kind of come back to the the impact itself um there's a few studies that i read that kind of want to put climate change in the category of a social determinant of mental health mm. that we need to like consider it on that level um like along with other obvious things like the your kind of social history of like how your relationship with your family or things like that or your socioeconomic status mm. um, or your health like a physical health also your relationship to the impacts of climate change mm. because it feels a little abstract now, but it's going to become a lot less abstract in the near future. Mm. Um, and it already is an impact. We're just not really grappling with it yeah. at the moment. Yeah. Um, at least that's what Something they're, they're we're arguing. Still, we're still, I guess, trying to um, conceptualize and, yeah. and figure out what's... And, and this effect is going to disproportionately affect people with mental mental illness yeah. along with any other kind of vulnerable group yeah um yeah um so i guess um yeah i guess so maybe we'll just go because we're going for a while <laughs> so i feel like this yeah. was always going yeah. to be a bit of a bit of a bigger episode aaron when you through. pitched this one to me i was like okay i'm ready yeah. yeah, there's so much that I want to go to, but I think let's just skip now. I think, I think people have gotten a good sense of what it is, and I'll give you some links and you can learn more. There's a lot to learn. Um, but I guess let's talk about in practice what we're doing and what's happening at the moment. Because at the moment, climate change is much more of like an acceptable kind of hot topic because mm. the coalition is willing to talk about it now. I don't know if you've noticed, but not only are there a lot of recent studies relating to um, kind of climate change and health, but also a lot of organizations are suddenly releasing like policies being like, hey, we really care about uh, climate change suddenly and its effect on health. <laughs> like, oh, oh, no, people are indicating that they actually care about this. We should pretend that we do too. Uh, okay. Oh. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> I think I mean I think it's more complicated than that, but also probably yes. Yeah. Um, but also like, <laughs> um, it's also like there's more space for organizations to feel like okay, we can advocate for this stuff and not risk losing our funding or something mm. like that. Mm. Um, uh, and so they're feeling more comfortable to say what they kind of already knew that climate change is having an effect on mental health and we should do something about it. Mm. Um, so I guess in terms of like the frontier of where we're going, um, there is a, um, one thing is there's a prior new field called eco-psychology and it teaches, um, and it's interestingly, it's focusing on teaching patients to, have a level of acceptance at their own powerlessness in the way, in yeah. the in the face of something so huge and existential. When, when I was thinking about, um, and I, I've had a couple of, I guess, um, experiences with young people 
um, kind of bringing this this issue to mm. um, to session. Um, mm. When I think about how you approach that, I, I very much think that the the acceptance and commitment therapy sort of lens um, really kind of suits that well. Mm, um, interesting. Like, you know, yeah. how do you CBT your way out of <laughs> out of that one? <laughs> no. um, and I, and I think that there is very much this sense of um, having to. Um, grapple with the acceptance that, okay, um, individually I can't resolve this problem, mm. but I am a part of the solution as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. And also, also talk about, are they also talking about a concept called ecological grief where people have episodes of anxiety that are related, that are kind of triggered by events that, uh, kind of related to things that they've lost. Like mm. it's almost like a PTSD type thing where mm. like, people might have like an episode of anxiety when they see it raining because of the loss that they've had because of floods or mm. um, uh, indigenous people getting, having grief and anxiety um, as a result of losing um, access to, or the massive change in land that they've you know held for generations. Mm. Um, yeah. And so there's no DSM, it's like there's vague allusions in the DSM to economic problems and how poverty and social environments might affect mm. mental health and, and disaster, yeah. but not I, there's nothing really that it's it's very a long way away from being something that's like DSM recognizes in, as a doesn't thing. need to be DSM recognized oh, though. Like I mean, I, I feel yeah. like the the response of hey, I'm I'm experiencing a bit of anxiety or a bit of an ex- existential dread about what is what is going to like you know the future mm. of of um you know our planet and society yeah um is that necessarily disordered <laughs> like um no in, in, <laughs> yeah, a, in yeah. and of itself i, I yeah, think it's, yeah. a, it's a pretty natural um reason and fairly reasonable response mm. to what's what's currently yeah. going on at the moment um i think including it well within that social determinants of mental health is, is a good idea yeah but um you know in terms of like adding uh climate yeah climate anxiety or something well, it's, it's, probably, the... it's probably it probably like pathologizing it maybe is the wrong direction but mm. i guess there is a, potentially at least a lot of people in the li- literature arguing there needs to be a level of clear recognition as this is a major thing that is distinct and happening and needs mm. to be like addressed directly not just kind of roundabout in terms of oh this is causing you anxiety or this is causing like this is a thing that's causing a lot of people anxiety and it has a na- and we need to give it a name and we need to like collectively approach it. So it doesn't mm. necessarily mean that has to be in the DSM, but I guess, mm. I guess in terms of recognition of the term, it's not necessarily really there just to be clear. There's no like illness called mm. eco anxiety that you can be diagnosed with. Mm. Um, yeah. So, so I guess wrapping it all up, um, from what I can gather, there are probably like, maybe three kind of pathways forward in terms of how we go about dealing with this as a mental health sector, I think. Um, So there's one is the kind of at the micro level, thinking about how we integrate it into improving people's well-being and in terms of therapy, like what, in what way do we, do we acknowledge it directly or do we um, develop therapies that kind of would directly address or or um, work on that particular mm. kind of thing? Or do we just assume it's something that everyone experiences? How do we 
make that part of the service we provide so we're not kind of neglecting it until it becomes a crisis um if it's not already i don't know <laughs> it's a lot, this is not much research um uh third secondly um community resilience to and i guess promoting those kinds of green spaces sustainable development um so that the communities we're a part of are as kind of environmentally resilient as they can be to potential mm. changes but also that our environments are in service of improved mental health and not just kind of utilitarian um in their function they're not just to a place to be so we can go to work and a place to sleep but that mm. they are actively producing the community we want um obviously there's a lot of like human connection community building type stuff that is intrinsic to that working well um but we need to consider how our environments play a bit going to play a massive role in that as well yeah um and then thirdly i think very also very importantly is addressing the threat itself like that we as a mental health sector are going to be massively impacted by climate change in probably ways we don't even realize yet there's so this you have like if you haven't looked into this this is insanely complicated there's so many intersecting ways in which climate change can end up having massive mental health impacts on people and affect the way in which we're able to do the work that we do as a mental health sector um and so i think there's a real place for the mental health sector to be doing advocacy for climate change action mm-hmm. um you know the the policies and things that organizations are releasing are good i think that's a good thing that they're kind of putting pressure on the government to take this issue seriously um but probably should do more as well like yeah. a policy statement isn't enough um yeah so those are my thoughts i don't know how do you feel about that do you feel like that's like Yeah, okay, that's reasonable. Or you're like, "Oh, this is <laughs> too much." I don't know. I feel like I kind of feel like this one is a lot. I think it's both both reasonable and too much. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I th- I think it, it but but it speaks to the I think the um very nature of the the issue especially when I guess you go much more broader into um, you know, climate change. I think it's a lot easier and um less of a um mental conundrum to look at the smaller scale of okay how does how does our immediate sort of environment impact on our on our mental health so i really like the stuff around um you know that you brought up around green spaces um green time and um <laughs> and you know the impact that that has on our mental health i think when we when we um zoom well out into the the effects of climate change i think the impact of that is felt um both in in kind of like um immediate tangible um ways but then also in in a in a lot more i think complex ways as well so as you kind of mentioned a um, treatment of of PTSD associated with natural disasters that come from climate change yeah that's that's pretty that's something within the scope of of i guess yes uh, i can conceptualize that really quite neatly i can mm. i can understand yeah. from a um scientific um psychological um perspective why that occurs and how to manage that um but then when you go much more large scale and it's like okay now we're dealing with the ex- existential dread um associated with like are we going to meet our 2050 net zero um yeah. targets and if not what's what's the implication of that that i think is um is something that's a bit harder to 
to really navigate. Yeah. Maybe like a simple way to put it is the burden on the mental health sector is from what we understand currently going to dramatically increase in the mm. near future as both a direct and indirect direct result of climate change. Um, and so we're going to have to either change complete, we're going to have to both change the way we do. We practice mental health, but we're also going to have to try and advocate to mitigate some of the harm that that's going to cause. Yeah. 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 Um, and that's mm. a lot to do along with just making sure our mental health sector is working and not broken as, as it is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, it's like we're going to yeah. be um, inundated with mental health difficulties that arise from this. And, um, you know, that's going to that's gonna fall on an already overburdened mental health system, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. got to... So then I think one, one I think as, as a conclusion, I suppose, um, a number of the studies that I read um, made it very clear that Especially because like, they, they, they reference it in um, in reference to COVID, um, but I think it's relevant to all kind of reform that we're doing for mental health, is that any change we're doing needs to consider the environmental and climate change impacts that are going to happen in the future. And that needs to be part of the reform we're doing. Mm. Um, we can't think it's, it's too much to think of in isolation um, and it needs to happen now. So what reform we are doing needs to be quote-unquote green reform <laughs> whatever that means um i know it's very yeah very crash crazy <laughs> but like it, it really does um or we're gonna we're gonna feel the consequences in the future so let's yeah. do it yeah yeah very good cool what a, what a way to end um, amazing How'd you go with the beer, Aaron? It was so good. Yeah, I agree. Honestly, so good. I think that there was a, a bit on the back that I didn't read before. It's like an approachable sour mm. wheat beer that's so refreshing it will be enjoyed by all. Um, so far, we've got a we've got a um, study of two here. Yeah. Um, and this study confirms, yeah. I think, but based on maybe what what, yeah. what I'm picking up from you here, Aaron, that you did enjoy that. Yeah, like um, it. Like usually sours, I find. They're so sour that I can't taste anything besides like citric acid. Yeah. <laughs> like like I don't I like didn't really enjoy that. But this was actually good. It was like a nice amount of sour, but I also could taste like the wheat beer, like the yeah, like the wheat. It was like very smooth and nice, and a bit of the raspberry. Yeah, it was a really good. I, they said a beautiful balance, and I agree. Yeah. Usually, I'm like, that's bullshit. <laughs> it's actually yeah. genuinely good. <laughs> yeah. No, I I, um, I would agree. It's it's a, it's a very nice nice drink. Um, and I think um. For the, for the for the weather that we're currently experiencing and um, just just overall, it's it's a really um, quite a nice approachable beer. Yeah, not sweet. not too not too aggressive. Sweet Culture House, hit us up for a sponsorship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, basically, from now on, all we're going to do is drink Culture <laughs> House beers. Um, this uh, this episode of the podcast was in fact brought to you. No, <laughs> it wasn't brought to you by anyone. Um, by us, by lovely just us. By, yeah, just by Aaron and Jesse. Okay, um, well, we've been going for a very long time. Um, so perhaps time to finish up. I like the sound of that, Aaron. Hope you guys all have an amazing Christmas and yes. New Year. Yes, hope you stay enjoyed, safe. Hope you enjoyed our Christmas special that had no Christmas theme whatsoever. Mm. Mm. Ho, ho, ho. But it was special. I thought yeah. it was special. <laughs> It was. It was special because I experienced it with you, Aaron. Oh, just yeah. you're the best. Thank you. <laughs> All right. See you, everyone. See <laughs> Thanks for listening to Be a Supervision, the podcast where we talk about the joys of working in mental health over a cold brew. If you could leave us a rating on iTunes, that would really help us out. 
or share it with someone who might find it helpful. If you'd like to contact us with feedback or questions, or even just to say hi, definitely do at bscupervisionpodcast at gmail.com. And you can find BS Supervision on Facebook and Twitter. Our opinions are our own, the beers we drink are chosen just by us, and we don't receive any sponsorships. We'll see you next time.